Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 487, and today we'll be talking about the Three Gurs from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Not to be confused with the Three Tiggers, which would be another show entirely. <laughs> when does uh, Winnie the Pooh... Uh, he's finally out of uh, copyright, so we can make all the stories we want, right? I don't know if um, Tigger's included. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't keep track on my uh, copyright stuff. Although I did hear they made a horror game with uh, the Steam uh, Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse, so <laughs> there's that. There you go. Well, it's always horror first, because it's the easiest. <laughs> yeah, they, they just go for shock value, like blood and honey. But that's really neither here nor there, although um, their own version of shock value in this uh, in this episode. I, I want to remind everybody that at the end of the last episode, The Miracle Rabbit, the words from Moonbeam to Oscar were, what about you, bathroom boy? You want to come back to my place, which... <laughs> And then, uh, what uh, he and Noodle decide to name Oscar, they decide to name him Honey Buns. And they were not talking about buns that might be in the oven. They were pretty clear. I'm not going to unpack any of that. Um, I don't want to. But (laughs) I, my God, the sequence in which Oscar uh, gets his jester name, exceptional. I don't know what it was emulating at all. I don't understand why. Dialogue boxes started popping up. Oscar even got some. I liked that. Yes, he was uh, forcibly pulled into the the bit. I I love the song. Uh, I don't know what it is emulating. I I feel like I've seen it in the uh, like in Over the Garden Wall as well, which actually is going to be a useful reference for you because I know that we're watching it mm-hmm. this coming fall, <laughs> which will be your first time viewing it. But uh, there's a similar song about trying to have a a boy become a man by getting wed and everyone's excited about a wedding day and everyone's going to have a job and just the way that they are like and then it just keeps going um that's some song archetype but yeah it was great (laughs) but oh poor oscar he's he dislocated a woman's legs and uh just the weight of the world is upon him. I love the him trying to act out the spoon behind the behind the stove. This stove is too big and heavy. Okay, Oscar definitely can channel his emotions into effective acting, though. So props for that. But not the acting we wanted. No, no, no. Yeah, maybe maybe he can't control it. So that's uh, you do have to. You do have to funnel it to your goal. And his goal was to be funny. And, well, he was funny to me, but not <laughs> <laughs> not in the way he intended. Hey, he impressed the king, though. Yeah, well, I didn't laugh once. But, <laughs> actually, you kind of bummed me out a little. But it turns out that actually that was a safe thing to do with the king, so. Yeah, the king is so good. Is the king ever not funny? <laughs> no, but they're all too perfect, to be honest. Like, these aliens are wonderful. Uh, I I just got... I didn't understand what Oscar meant when he said that he dislocated someone's legs. That is a very hilariously literal way of describing the first episode. <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second, because it's just so literal. Yeah. <laughs> dislocated. Uh, 
I, I guess at a few hundred years old, Susie is technically a woman. Although, don't you tell her that. <laughs> wow. Those, those dang dislocating joints. Yeah, Mrs. McAllister was her mother. <laughs> so, we learned an alien swear word this episode, though. Uh, okay. What a load of bandana. It was a load of bandana. Uh, I, the way it was used contextually at least once seemed to be some, you know, vulgar version of, of stupid. Or you idiot, or, well, maybe it could have been worse. What a couple of bandanas we are! Yeah, but, uh... (laughs) Yeah, they said it really casually a few other times, so I love being reminded that the aliens are kind of adults, because they just don't look like adults. (laughs) Well, not all of them are. We had one whose whose parent alien was covering their ears and had this, like, shocked look on, on their face. (laughs) <laughs> but only when Oscar screamed it, you know, not all the other times it was very casually said. Well, I don't think they were saying that around the little aliens. They were just saying, saying it's nothing but us jesters here. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bunch of sailors, you know? <laughs> yeah, who would have guessed? I mean, uh, comedy is a transgressive art form. <laughs> And they, they, they really show that with the, I, I love the banana peel breakdown. Just like, why is banana peel slipping funny? Well, it's because you don't expect it. There's some fear in your eyes. You land on your butt. <laughs> Oscar, it does kind of successfully pull off each thing. I'm not sure why he's judged so critically at the end. Too much fear and misery. <laughs> Too much, yeah, I guess that's overall his issue is he looks... Too miserable. Although I feel like modern audiences can accept lots of misery and and find it funny. It's like goth number three said in that one episode of Kids Next Door, life is misery. It's exactly like that. We all remember goth number three. Technically, she's not goth, but she does lose her cheerful disposition. You mean when, yes, okay. (laughs) No, I literally, yes, I remember number three now. But I really had a lapse of memory of that all the kids are named numbers in that show. So I really thought you were referring to, like, goth number oh. three. Which would have been, like, a name only identified in the credits of an episode. So, no. The only goth <laughs> in Summer Camp Island is uh, the Butter Goth. And that would be goth number one, because she's the president. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Really, neither here nor there. Why do the Goths have a president and the aliens have a king? You tell me. <laughs> By the way, the king organizes this event every 50 years, and he just complains about being two feet tall. They could have designed his home around his height. <laughs> what were they thinking? I love that Oscar has that revelation at the end, and you're looking at the king, he's like, he's not even as tall as one of his end tables, and Oscar's like, wait, are all of your problems just being two feet tall? And he's like, ah! Of course not. Wait. Oh. My. (laughs) Perfect delivery at the end. Beautiful. Wonderful timing. Yep. So good. Uh, You know what else was really, really good? Just the whole scene where Oscar's acting out his gur, you know, he's lifting the heavy watermelon and it's too heavy. Every time he thumps, the record skips and it changes, including, uh, every time they use taps like that in a cartoon, it's brilliant. It was brilliant here. (laughs) Yep. Taps doesn't get old. Although, I mean, I did just see the same joke in A Christmas Story. So because that time happened again this year. But 
Yeah, it's great. Uh, I really love the the record player accompanying a uh, silent comedy act. I, I love the subtle comedians jokes throughout. I, I think it went over my head what exactly the joke about uh, Baklava was, who uh, they just like briefly pause on. <laughs> Yeah, Baklava just flopped. He got, uh, he doesn't want to do this event at all. And so he gets himself whisked off to a, to a medic and, uh, where he just, uh, hangs out, sipping little fruity drinks. I didn't even see an umbrella, so it's apparently not that great a club. See, I thought that was a bit. It's so weird. I think after the whole thing, he actually was injured. (laughs) That's so weird. I know. Did you see the way he opens his eye to look to see if anybody's calling the ambulance? He 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 was faking it. Mm. He, he totally <laughs> just took a dive to get out of doing the three curves. Which, thank goodness for Noodle. Can you can you imagine? Well, Moonbeam at least that freed up Noodle so that uh, he could be Moonbeam's partner. Like Moonbeam and Honeybuns going out there together would have been a disaster. <laughs> I did like the delay. In realization, like, wait a minute, why are we using Oscar? <laughs> the noodle is just so done in the sitting in his director's chair, and then wait a minute, what a bunch of baklavas, or what a bunch of bandanas we are. <laughs> Don't go into any new, <laughs> new curse words in this universe. <laughs> well, baklava is kind of a bandana if you think about what he did to Noodle. I don't think he was trying to pair him up with Moonbeam. I think that was just a happy accident. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that uh, Oscar is feeling pressure already from saving magic. I guess it, it really builds with the Miracle Rabbit, like that there is this um, whole history to like magic and friendship. Like, I, I feel like there aren't too many other factors. Like, what has Oscar seen to understand sort of how much magic there was in the world, how much it's receded or not, how imminent the problem is or not. Well, Jim Jams did tell them the tell them the story of Susie's life back in New York City before the recession of magic. So they have an inkling of what things were like at the magic's final hours in the in the world. He's not completely ignorant of what the glory days were like and he lives on Summer Camp Island. He lives the glory days for... He, he's been living them for almost four months, we're going to find out. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like the pressure is a little born of, you know, his just desire to support everyone. You know, it sounds like that saving magic just is a big thing. But I don't know. I mean, I guess he did just also go around the island and, like, be reminded of the... Oh, well, I can't think of their names. They're not the hooligans or the mis- <laughs> miscreants. <laughs> That's not it either. What what are the what are the two bad guys' names? Why can't I remember that? Oh, the rascals. The rascals. Thank you. <laughs> I still think they should have used the miscreants as a backup. Um, but the rascally miscreants. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, he was focused on the hairstyles of everyone on the island, but he was kind of reminded of the scope of some forces on the island too. So I, I guess it makes sense that he feels all this weight. But yeah, poor guy. <laughs> he just, it's a lot. I mean, Oscar does not have a 
long history of dealing with stress particularly well. Mm -hmm. Like, they had an entire episode about his uh, strategy of just avoiding all responsibility. And in fact, uh, when Hedgehog attempts to force him to take a little bit of responsibility for an overdue uh, video from the rental store, the universe shows that, no, actually, I'd rather Oscar not take any responsibility for anything, actually. <laughs> so uh, when he's put in a position where, actually, you probably should do something about that, Oscar, he's not really prepared for that. He has not built good coping habits over time. No, no. It is funny, though, to think about how different animated characters sort of deal with the weight of saving the world, you know? Like, Oscar's emotions are very uh, deeply felt and, and bringing him down, but, like, this episode is just so goofy. And I, I'm, like, comparing it to Avatar in my head. Like, Aang has some pretty serious baggage, but really, like, the episode where he deals with it most seriously is also, like, one of the goofiest because it's his sleep deprivation <laughs> episode where he's just imagining, like, Momo and Appa fighting. But, like... Yeah, it's interesting to watch actual children deal with the stress. I feel like Aang's was pretty serious, though, because he had to, you know, maybe kill somebody. Like, that. that's tough. Whereas Oscar isn't really dealing with any specific moral choice or imminent threat. It's more like, like you're saying, it's generalized stress. And he doesn't have tools to deal with generalized stress. Yeah, everyone's counting on him. And, like, as a glowworm, he wants to deliver. This is, he is not like hedgehog who's like oh don't make promises just say uh we'll see what we can do <laughs> see that's how hedgehog deals with this kind of stress she refuses to accept it <laughs> yeah both strategies that i feel like i use so maybe i need to keep watching <laughs> do better yeah it is it is awesome watching this and thinking wow this is some great stuff for kids to start thinking about kind of embodying some of how they see these characters dealing with things like stress slash maybe also learning how to slip on a banana hilariously. I'd love to <laughs> know that somewhere kids were trying to emulate that, but uh, I feel like yeah, as an adult too, I still have some things to learn <laughs> from the stress management side. I love that while uh, Moonbeam was struggling with that heavy painting, they, they outlined the banana peel so we could see where it was. We could see his foot go right over it. Nice touch. Man, Moonbeam really messed that up. He was so in the reality of the bit, but yeah, he still made the mistake of completely avoiding the banana. Come on. Well, he's he's got uh he's got a bunch of jesters watching him. If he if he steps on that, uh, if he pretends to slip and the banana peel, uh, that's not where that landed. They'd see. <laughs> that's right. So he had to just stay committed. Okay, but so King says, I wonder how they'll you know, put a spin on the classic routine of carrying a heavy painting. You know, they live a long time. They do this every 50 years. You're telling me with how common that the banana bit surely must be that no one else has done the heavy painting and banana peel routine? Really? Well, I, I mean, how often are you going to take a banana break in the middle of lifting a heavy painting? It, it, it just doesn't seem likely. It is ridiculous. But that's kind of the point. <laughs> You'd have to be a real bandana to do that to your partner. <laughs> I honestly feel like you're saying something really offensive. That's where <laughs> this episode has primed me. I'm like, stop saying that. Young people could be listening. 
If the aliens ever hear this podcast episode, we're probably getting blacklisted just off of this episode. Yeah, we're going to have to put the E on the episode. <laughs> but we're, we're going to have a little bit of notoriety on the alien planet. That's okay. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on The Three Gers. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 